Hello, I'm Dango Rose, and this is the Mountaineer Podcast, where everybody's listening. And I'm Cynthia Davis. In this week's episode, we hear from Stephanie Andelman, one of the organizers of the first annual Netter Days. She's going to share a little bit of information about what folks can expect at this year's Newtown-focused event. We hear this week's music mentions from Jamie Lammers and special correspondent Marianne Rosen will convey a striking story about the Ides of March. And for our final segment, Dango interviews Josh Moyer of the Millside Inn, where he tells us about the reemergence of the famed Saturday Night Bluegrass Jam in Ward. Then, Doug Armitage, owner of Brightwood Music and local musician, talks about how to jam with proper etiquette. But first, some news from your neighborhood. The Peak to Peak Chamber of Commerce has announced their next organizational meeting. All those interested in being a part of this process are invited to meet at JKQ Barbecue March 16th at 6 p.m. The meeting is open to all local businesses in the Peak to Peak region. Local Community Festival, Netter Days, is set for March 24th and 25th in Netherland. This family fun affair begins Friday evening and will run all day Saturday. The event is packed with entertainment and activities for all ages and is free to attend. Check out the full calendar at netterdays.com or on Facebook at netterdays. The Gilpin County Parks and Recreation will be hosting their version of a drive-in movie night March 17th from 5.45 to 7.30 p.m. Folks are invited to come watch a movie while relaxing in the pool. Be there early. Doors close at 6 p.m. The Netherland Farmers Market is currently accepting applications for a 2023 market manager position. The market manager is responsible for coordinating and managing the bi-weekly farmer's market. Those interested can go online to fill out an application at netherlandfarmersmarket.org. Read more local news and feature stories in print and online at themountaineer.com. And that's it for this week's news briefs. If you have something to share, you can send requests for submission to info at themountaineer.com. As long as it meets our community standards, we'll be sure to include it in a future episode. For our lead story, we're checking in with Stephanie Andelman, one of the organizers for Netter Days. She's going to give us a quick rundown of what's planned for this first annual event. But first, Stephanie, tell us how this all got started. The idea for Netter Days came about when we realized that there would be no event people in and around town with certain days designated and various community members and town staff wanted to come up with some idea that we could build upon and really empower the businesses to come up with ideas and get traffic into their stores. So that was the inspiration, be it winter, hopefully when it's still snowing, very local for the community, by the community, with businesses involved. And Stephanie, Netter Days is set to go from Friday until Sunday. Can you tell us about some of the bigger attractions? So the main events of Netter Days are 
the dances that are happening on Friday night, the event is kicking off Friday, March 24th at 5 p.m. with a barn dance. And a barn dance is an old mountain music gathering with a live band and a caller. And the caller announces how to do your dance. You could be 10 years old. You could be 80 years old. You're going to get instructions on how to dance with a three-piece bluegrass band named Hot Fit. That is at Caribou Village Shopping Center in front of the BNF Plaza, and everybody's invited. All of these events are family-friendly and free. And right after that, we go to Silent Disco down on East 1st Street, brought to you by Igati. And we will have 75 headphones. It's free to check out a headphone and then dance to three different DJs. We have three different DJs that have very different genres that they will be spinning. And that goes from 7 to 10 p.m. And then you can still continue along East 1st and find a bar that, is still open, but as far as family-friendly goes, that would be most of the Friday events. On Saturday, we have ice sculptures all over town. Uh, there will be five competitors, and they are competing for a cash prize and notoriety from both the public and the judges. And there's a sled course, and there will be a sledding contest where we hope to have five to ten teams sign up. And they go down East First Street with a course that is in the middle of East First Street that will be available and open from 10 to 12.30. And then the street will open up again. We also have that morning a 5K run that goes up Big Springs and around the trails and comes and ends at the train cars. And everybody who runs gets free donuts and coffee. Uh, and then the events continue throughout the day. I'd say the other big events after sledding is a wood splitting contest where the winner can win half of the wood that is in the pile, and the other half goes to a senior in need, but they will get the wood split and stacked at their house. Uh, we have a scavenger hunt that actually starts Friday night and goes through Saturday. Hot cocoa trail for the kids where you buy a little mug and then you get free hot cocoa several locations and donuts from the train cars. We have a hot pepper contest, a hot wings contest, winter homesteading home skills at the library, characters done at Kaleidoscope Gallery. Augustina's Winery has a wear your long johns get a picture taken and win a gift certificate. There's also a youth art contest, and there is a writing contest. And all of this is on the website where we link from the event to the landing page for more information. If you love breweries, we have five live music acts at Juicy Brews. Also at Not Root, they have live music and keg bowling. We'll have human foosball and a tug of war down First Street. You get the idea. I can go on and on and on about so many different events that the whole family can come out and enjoy or a bunch of friends can go and spend the entire day doing it. And how can people find out more about Netter Days? And so for more information, so you can come, tell your family and your friends to go, even those from down below in Boulder can come up and enjoy this day, visit netterdays.com. N-E-D-E-R for Netherland and then date, Netter Days. That was inspired by every day is a better day in Netherland. Netterdays.com and at Netterdays. And every day we update this website with the newest and the best attractions that are coming to this event. Thank you, Stephanie. Be sure and listen in next week. We'll be talking to Stephanie again with more details and updates to come.
Now we go to correspondent Jamie Lammers, who will be delivering this week's Music Mentions. And now for this week's Music Mentions. Head to Busey Brews, located at 70 East 1st Street in Nederland, to check out Troy Yanell performing Sunday, March 19th at 2 p.m. Head to Canyon Tavern, located at 32138 Highway 72 in Cool Creek Canyon, on Friday, March 17th at 6 p.m. for a St. Patrick's Day party, and on Saturday, March 18th at 6 p.m. to see Jordan Huey performing live at the new branding reveal party. Every Thursday at 7 p.m., the Covered Wagon hosts karaoke nights. Be sure to head to 15 East 1st Street in Nederland to check them out for yourself. Head to 261 Eldora Ski Road site in Nederland on Friday, March 17th at 1 p.m. at Woodward Boombox to check out Mason performing live. Also be sure to head there on Saturday, March 18th at 10 a.m. at the Red Bull Rail Jam Sound Vehicle to see DJ TP performing live. Saturday, March 18th at 2 p.m. at Timbers Fireside to see the Matt Flaherty Band performing live. Sunday, March 19th at 10 a.m. at the Woodward Boombox to see DJ Milk performing live. And Sunday, March 19th at 2 p.m. at the Timbers Fireside to see the Andrew Cooney duo performing live. Head to the Gold Hill General Store and Pub on Friday, March 17th at 7 p.m. to see Bear Hat performing live. And on Saturday, March 18th at 7 p.m. to see Mickey Balder performing live. They're located at 531 Main Street in Gold Head to Howlin' Wind Brewing on Saturday, March 18th at 6 p.m. to see the Stellar Blue Jays performing live at 51A Main Street in Rollinsville. Head to the Jamestown Mercantile on Thursday, March 16th at 7 p.m. to see Billy Shaddix performing live and Friday, March 17th at 7 p.m. to see Sturts performing live. They're located at 108 Main Street in Jamestown. Knotted Root Brewing is honored to host the Brewer's Dozen featuring Kings of Prussia and Friends every Saturday at 5 p.m. and Jazz Sundays with Black Dog and Friends every Sunday at 4 p.m. Head to 250 North Turbo Street in Netherlands to check out these events for yourself. Head to 44365 Highway 72 in Ward where Millsite Inn is located to check out Open Jam every Saturday at 6 p.m. Every Thursday at 10 p.m. Ned's Cafe hosts a Dam Jam and every Sunday at 7 p.m. they host a karaoke night. Be sure to head to 121 North Jefferson Street in Nederland to check them out for yourself. And finally, be sure to check out the very nice brewing company located at 20 East Lakeview Drive, number 112 in Nederland on Friday, March 17th at 6 p.m. to see The Gale performing live, and on Saturday, March 18th at 5 p.m. to see Stone Hall performing live. Did we miss you or your performance? Want to submit your music listing in the beat to beak area? Do you have updates to your business or performances? Please call 303-810-5409 or email info at themountaineer.com to be included in the next print edition or the next podcast of The Mountaineer. Thank you, Jamie. Now let's drop in with special correspondent, Marianne Rosen, who shares a fascinating tale about the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March, an ominous phrase as the 15th nears. A cursed day? An omen of bad things to come? Or is it? Even William Shakespeare could not have guessed the impact his words would have. How did the day become one of wary meditation, a day of bad omens and foreboding? 
In ancient days, calends, nuns, and ides were markers used to reference lunar phases. The ides simply referred to the first new moon of a given month. In most months, that occurred on the 13th, with the exception of March, May, July, and October, when it is on the 15th. Originally, the Roman calendar was a 10-month calendar based on the moon, with March being the first month and the Ides being the beginning of the new year. It was a time and day filled with religious observances, rejoicing, and celebration, marked by picnics, drinking, and revelry. It was a non-threatening day filled with fun, contemplation, and settlement of debts. During this party time, a man dressed in animal skins was symbolically driven from the city to represent the expulsion of the old year and the new beginnings to come. These observances remained until 45 BC, when Julius Caesar changed the calendar to the Julian 12-month calendar based on the solar year, and January 1st became the new year. Speaking now of Julius Caesar... It was his assassination in 44 BC on the Ides of March that began the change of how people looked upon this day. Warned by a soothsayer to be on guard during the 30 days leading into the Ides, Caesar let down his guard on that fateful last day and was murdered on March 15th, 44 BC. To some, this was the onset of the downfall of the Roman Empire Fast forward now to the year 1599 and enter William Shakespeare. That was the year the playwright penned Julius Caesar. It was the literary license he took with the soothsayer's words to Caesar that became Beware the Ides of March, a phrase never really spoken. Those words stuck, however, and the date, March 15th, was branded as one of darkness and gloom. To this day, pop culture references to the Ides make it seem as if the day is cursed without many actually knowing its true origins. Do bad things happen on this day? Of course. But any more than any other day? Probably not. So as the 15th approaches, just go out and enjoy your day, or should you, beware the Ides of March. The Mountaineer, in partnership with Brightwood Music, is kicking off its first annual youth art show to appear both in print and online. Kids 18 and under are encouraged to submit their fine art, digital art, and photography. All work must be original and submitted to info at themountaineer.com. You can find out more details on how to submit your work on our website at themountaineer.com. That is the mtnear.com. Next, Dingo talks to Josh Moyer of the Millside Inn. They converse about the re-emergence of the legendary Saturday Night Bluegrass Jam that takes place on the peak-to-peak in the township of Ward. Hey, Josh, over at the Mill Site, would you be willing to introduce yourself for us? Hey, everybody, this is Josh from the Mill Site Inn in Ward, Colorado. Nice to talk with everybody. 
So Josh, it sounds like you have the bluegrass pick back up and running. Is that right? Yes, we do. We'll be doing that every Saturday night, probably through the um, end of May. So the history of the bluegrass jam at the mill site, some might consider legendary. Is there something about the history of these jams that makes you want to do it again? The history of this place is the only reason why we want to do it again. We want to try to bring this place back to the glory of what it was back in those times. It was one of the most fun and most frequented place up here on the peak-to-peak highway was the mill site. And we're trying to uh, bring that back. And who's hosting the Bluegrass Jam nowadays? Uh, hosted by Daniel Freeman. He's a local legend here in Ward. He used to have a coffee shop down here across the street from Jack Lager's. And old Dan Freeman has been around here for about 40 years or so now. Old Dan Freeman. Well, that's great to hear that he's hosting. Was Dan around back in the 80s and early 90s when Buck Buckner and Drew and Vince from Leftover Salmon and all those guys would be showing up? I believe so, yes. And then uh, quite a few of the other uh, people that um, have been up here for you know, 30, 40 years as well, they started coming to the pick again as well. Becky Markneck and her husband, Ed Markneck, are up here. And quite a few of the other folks, Charlie Richards and quite a few of the other folks that have been a part of the old bluegrass jammer came back to it again, which was really, really cool. So it sounds like this bluegrass pick at the mill site is actually spanning multiple generations. Is that right? Yes, we have, we've spanned quite a few generations here. We actually have grandparents that come in here with their grandchildren that their grandparents used to play here, and now their grandkids play here as well. Yeah, there's quite a few of them that... <laughs> We're talked about how they used to fall asleep in the booths while their parents were playing music here. So what day of the week is the Bluegrass Jam happening, and how long has it been going on for? This will be the second weekend that we've dedicated Saturday nights to the Bluegrass Jam. It's kind of like it's always been, the Saturday night winter Bluegrass Jam at the mill site. Yes, it was, and that was what uh, Dan was so adamant about having was to be able to get the Saturday nights back. And his first weekend, we were really nervous about what the turnout was going to be for Dan because he put his whole heart into this, and he had a great turnout. There was, I think, at least 10 musicians here, and they started at probably about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and they played until 11 o'clock that night. And for musicians that show up to play, what can they expect in terms of food and drink? We do pizzas for them, and then uh, the musicians get a couple of drinks. Well, thank you, Josh, for taking the time to speak with us here at the Mountaineer. We are so excited and grateful that you've taken the initiative to start up the legendary Bluegrass Jam at the mill site. We look forward to seeing you there and wish you all the best and much success. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. And now, to conclude our segment, we asked Doug Armitage, local musician and owner of Brightwood Music in Netherland, to talk to us a little bit about the etiquette expected at a bluegrass pick. Pete Warnick, Dr. Banjo, once wrote a really good article on bluegrass picks. His number one rule, be in tune. Before starting, and whenever in doubt, use a clip-on tuner. Before the invention of these tools, We all just sort of guessed when we were in tune. Thank goodness that those days are no more. 
tuning forks are not traditional, and they're not good enough for today's pick etiquette. There are some other basic rules that make you feel more comfortable at a pick. Knowing how to play in a bluegrass jam can make you a little more confident. I've collected here a lot of the unwritten bluegrass jam rules I remember until I start drinking. If you remember two things, remember to stay in tune and stay in time. The rest is mostly common courtesy. What is courtesy? Listening to other people and playing the right chord, for one. What key are we playing in? How can you tell? Watch the left hand of someone, usually a guitarist, who knows the chords. Learn the chord changes as quickly as possible. Listen hard to stay on the beat and listen to the group for cues. Don't rush, drag, or lose your place in the song. If you do, stop playing and come back in when you can. Certain instruments are less welcome than others at a bluegrass jam. If you have a, for instance, guitar, banjo, mandolin, fiddle, upright bass, or a resonator guitar, known as a dobro, or an auto harp, you're golden. These are traditional bluegrass instruments. Other instruments are welcome as well. They need to follow the golden rules. Stay in tune and stay in time. A sax solo works, trumpet, not as much. If you have an instrument that does not need to be tuned and plays only one note, you might need to join a drum circle. Didgeridoo is not acceptable unless you brought a keg and the pick is located in your daddy's heated swimming pool area. Look at the skill level of the folks who are playing. Do you think you can keep up with them? If not, sit out a couple and see if you will be adding something later. People are pretty forgiving, but you should be able to stay up with the beat. Don't think playing louder will make you play or sound any better. The group dynamics of a jam is one of the things that all players look forward to. That's when everyone remembers. A great pick means everyone had a good time, not that one person did a good job. Listening to other people play and play less and listen more. If you get lost, and you should hear that, either stop playing and listen carefully to the tune to pick up on the chord progression or mute your strings and keep your rhythm hand going as you watch what other players are doing. Did you forget your capo and everyone else has one on? You can always sit out if a song is unfamiliar to you or if the rhythm is too fast for you. In fact, you probably should. A bluegrass pick is typically a group of musicians standing in a circle. Everyone in the circle takes turns choosing the next song. This mostly goes in a clockwise direction, but that's not important. What is important is that you don't stand in the middle of the circle. When it's your turn, you can either pick a song or pass the privilege along to the next person. Surprisingly, you don't get to do two in a row. You don't get to just start playing out of turn and try not to pull in a jam buster. What's a jam buster? Well, 
that's a song with a complex chord pattern requires everyone to squint at the chord chart you brought. It might make you feel good, but that's not what a jam is all about. The person who chooses the song also leads it. They might sing it, or they might ask another person, a good vocalist, for instance, to sing it. Their main job is to make sure the group is on the same page before the song starts and that people know the song and know the chords. For a lot of bluegrass songs, this is pretty simple. But you should know the key, the different parts, verse, chorus, and when they come. The leader gives an indication of the ending by raising a foot or making eye contact with other musicians. If you're not making eye contact, you're not doing your part of the pick etiquette. Pay attention to the person who is leading. If you are leading, make eye contact with the others at the pick. If this isn't working out for some reason, end it when you think the time is right. Not everyone needs to take a solo. When someone is singing or taking a lead break, you need to hear whoever is being featured at any given moment. If you can't hear them, soften your playing until you can. This won't do the trick if there are other inconsiderate jammers in the group, but it's up to everyone to do their part. Remind the others who play too loud to listen more carefully, but do not hit them or tell them to shut up. That's not good pick etiquette. One last thing, ultimately, the bluegrass jam etiquette is about remembering that it isn't about you. It's about the music and making sure everyone has a good time. You want to make the other musicians sound good, and you want to make the overall music sound good. Leave the didgeridoo at home with the drums. Learn some chords and listen. That concludes this week's episode of the Mountaineer Podcast, where everybody's listening. Visit our website at www.themountaineer.com to read more information about today's guests. Pick up a copy of this week's print edition of the Mountaineer at newsstands all across the peak to peak. I'm Dango Rose. And I'm Cynthia Davis. Until next time, thank you for listening. You know, up here in the mountains, things are weird.